Hello, welcome back to Comeback. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and today I am delighted to welcome my Vietnamese guest. It is Jack Nguyen, who I recently saw perform and host the Eddie's New York Deli and Diner comedy show in Taodian. Jack is one of my youngest ever guests, if not the youngest, is involved in comedy, lives here in Vietnam, which is the topics that we are going to discuss. Comedy, Vietnam, and more. I'm looking forward to this one. How are you, Jack? Uh, I'm doing good. Excellent. Caffeinated. Yes. <laughs> so ready to go. Nice, man. I can't actually bear Vietnamese coffee. As in, it tastes brilliant, but mm-hmm. the impact on me is too much. Like, one cafe so dar, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like my heart's going at a rate that it should not go. Right. I yeah. had two today without two. milk. Without Jesus. the milk. Yeah. How do you. So, is it because you're Vietnamese? You're just used to it? Well, yeah, I'm used to it, mm. and I'm just like, you know. I don't understand how Starbucks ever made it here. Right, but. yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it feels weird because one of my favorite places to hang out and just drink coffee is the Starbucks in D3, I think. You know, the big roundabout? Right, yeah, right. But I feel bad because I live in Vietnam. I should be supporting <laughs> local Vietnamese businesses. And then my friends say, where are you, Starbucks? <laughs> well, honestly, I hate Starbucks with a passion, but mm. I understand. Like, mm. I understand, like, because, it, you know, it's a nice place to work and, like, everything. So, yeah, like, sure. yeah. So, it's kind of made for, pe- like, white-collar people who, right, like, have yeah. to be on their laptops. Yeah, absolutely. So, I get it. But their coffee is, like, shit. Right. Is that why you mentioned with a passion? Oh, that's strong. <laughs> yes, with a passion because it's shit and it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And I might be met with a lawsuit after this, but, like, oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay yeah. with that. I always wonder what guests are going to get out of coming on this podcast and maybe you, if you get a lawsuit. So you would be the first right, right. <laughs> to get they're, one. So. They're suing someone who doesn't have the money for it. So, like, good luck with that. Nice. <laughs> have nothing to lose. Brilliant. Tell me a bit about you, Jack, as in your overview, your background in Vietnam. What was it life like growing up here? Well, um, it definitely is a little bit weird because one of the first questions that people ask me after seeing my comedy is, like, you know, how do you speak English like that? Well, um, I guess... I would say I got it from my grandma's sugar daddy, which he was white. He was one of like he's one of those uh, white guys who went to like Hawaii to live for two weeks, and then he came back saying like aloha and shit like that. But they've been in there for like maybe more than twenty, thirty years. But yeah, uh, so she. It's so ex- like it's so complicated to like explain, but um, she's more like my grand aunt but like yeah so she remarried her husband spends a lot of time with me because my parents didn't so uh, she he's just like because he's old right he spends most of his time indoors and like you know teaches me english and speaks to me in english and then Mm. you know after that he left so i had like disney channel and then like i had like I don't know, like, I listened to a lot of female rap on YouTube, right, like, as a kid. So I had, like, you know, Remy Ma, Missy Elliott, shit like that. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yes, I do. I would say, like, you know, I, I have, like, an sort of, like, an accent, but, like, I jump in and out of it mm. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, because I grew up on, like, all different sorts of accents, but predominantly, like, American. Mm. Yeah. So that's how I learned how to speak English. Yeah, I was wondering that because I had the same thoughts of how is this guy's English so fucking insanely good? And I was thinking just how it happens. And with that, you're not the first person, Vietnamese or otherwise, who's mentioned Disney Channel. And as someone who grew up in Britain, also watching Disney Channel and being quite fascinated by America, I can't believe it transferred to all parts of the world and actually gave people the chance to speak English. 
it, it did. Well, I hate Disney. They're evil. But okay. like, but they're, you know, the majority of my childhood. And I definitely understand their money-making model is like based on like being a lot of people's childhood. Like, right, you know, yeah, a lot yeah. of people grew up on it. It's not necessarily like good, but like, you know, you grew up on it and yeah. you're fond of it. So, yeah. Did you have any shows that you really enjoyed? Um cartoons or not could be cartoons yeah yeah just yeah. any english speaking shows cartoons um, or otherwise i would say um one of my two of my favorite cartoons or maybe three my top three cartoons are um gravity falls okay um adventure time and uh steven universe right okay i must admit i'm not familiar with any of them to be honest with right. you, so, so yeah. <laughs> they're uh, um let's just say they're, they're like cartoons and kind of made for like Gen Z, like uh, oh, okay, kids sure, my yeah, age, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. right? So yeah. you probably didn't grow up with them. That's yeah. understandable. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I like them a lot because you know there's. Uh, I was very fascinated with like the lore, the world building, mm. and like you know the intricate details of the story. Yeah, like, sure. yeah. So there's a lot of details in like all three of the shows I named. So I like rediscovering them as an adult, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've often wondered that, you know, when we look at our childhood shows, there were so many hidden innuendos or meanings, and some of them quite dark, that we didn't recognize at the time. Right, And yeah. then a couple of decades later, you think, oh, yeah, this, <laughs> this wasn't how I perceived it as a child. For example, there'll be little, like in Winnie the Pooh, do you know Winnie the Pooh? Yes, yeah. I do. There's, like, they all represent mental illnesses, apparently. And when I discovered that, like Eeyore depression, and I can't remember the others, that really hit me. And Courage the Cowardly Dog, another one. Oh, I love Courage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that well. What, Foster's Home for Imaginary Parents. Um, I think that was Cartoon Network. Maybe. I did watch a little bit of Cartoon Network, but yeah. not as much. Uh, yeah, but I, I like Courage, and like... Yeah, I would definitely say, like, I relate a lot to that dog. It's right. <laughs> I'm riddled with anxiety. Okay, I see. Where does this anxiety come from, if I may ask you? Mm. Or, or is it one of those that you can't explain? Because I personally have it, but I can't explain where it comes from. I really cannot explain, mm. but it is, um, like, if I really tried to put a finger on it, maybe it's, like, the fear of rejection okay. or something. Like, you know, like, um, funny thing you said that, because, like, you know, remember um, last Wednesday, I was hosting, and like you know, this fear of rejection just kind of came over me. I couldn't explain, and then I saw that there's this one person who wasn't clapping. It turns out that he had a broken hand, yes. at, uh, like arm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I was like, why is he? Why isn't he clapping? <laughs> right. Okay. And then I just remembered, holy fuck, he has a cast on his <laughs> arm. Like I saw the like at the very beginning yeah but i was like i kind of like forgot about it because my anxiety was taken over mm. so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can the anxiety be helpful with the performance or can it be a hindrance or both um i would say it's more of a hindrance mm. than it's like a, a benefit but like you know i guess because when i i also have adhd so it's hard for me to focus but the anxiety kind of makes me hyper fixate on right. some things so i'm just like okay how do i do how do like every single element of it i just kind of put more focus into it when i'm anxious right, so it's a little bit helpful but mostly it's like me being unnecessarily like anxious yeah and i do want to be to be honest explore your comedy journey because as i mentioned to you before like as somebody who's 19 years of age, headlining a show of that nature, me at 19 years of age could not have done that in a million years. Me at 24 could not do that. I can do all that things, but not comedy and not hosting. 
How did you begin? And talk to me a bit about how it started and how it developed. Mm-hmm. I actually have a set about like my origin stories. Um, okay, like I, I I hope I'm not dragging this on for too long, but like, um, so I have always been fascinated by like chemistry. So that's why I'm majoring in right now, chemical engineering. And um, so for my um, for this school thing like i was trying to aim for like a science prize like project i made like my own like um biodegradable detergent it like fizzed up and everything when you put it in water and then uh in an unfortunate turn of events it bleached my foot my my left foot it was absurdly white ter uh and i realized i could have sold that to millions of asian women but i was like nah (laughs) (laughs) but um so i posted it to a, a group saying like just a random facebook group was like whoa check this out like you know my own invention made me more caucasian or something and then people started saying like oh i have really good looking feet and then like for (laughs) i was like um 16 at the time (laughs) and i was like so weirded out by that but i kind of played along i'm like yeah check out my only fans for my feet and then there was a guy who um who actually went into my inbox and like texted me like do you actually sell feet pics and then like i being the cheeky cunt that i am like i drew like an angry face on my feet and then i called him all sorts of like homophobic slurs with that feet and he's like wow that's so hot and eventually i uh, you know i just had a lot of fun with it until i told him i was 16 and he was like what the fuck and now this ties back into the comedy thing like i talked about that experience on my instagram video and then an influencer, her name, um, her Instagram handle was um, Geisha305, um, one I absolutely adored. She does like these great roasts on people. Uh, she saw my video somehow, I did not understand, but like she was like, you're funny. Like I, w- I would love to bring you on uh, Instagram live. And then I, you know, like she just brought me on and like we talked about shit and like you know a lot of people said that oh this dude is funny and then i twerked (laughs) which was wildly inappropriate for underage me to do but i mean it's more like gyrating okay (laughs) we're like shaking my bony ass but um yeah and then she told me you should do stand-up comedy and i was like what's that so this is why you will never see me like say that I have like a, a, a comedy hero or someone I look up to in stand-up because um, I didn't know what it was before I started. How long ago did you begin? Sorry, you just said 16, so three years ago. Um, no, she said it when I was 16, but I put it off for so long until one day, 17, I was bored. Uh, and I remember the exact date. I posted a post like on um, December 16th. 2019 i was like uh i found this like comedy saigon group or something and i posted like i want to start doing comedy like can you give me any pointers and uh, someone told me like yeah go to the indica open mic and then um yeah so this person said like just go there for a couple weeks see how it is and then you know go up and perform yourself but i couldn't wait so i just went there and like on the very first day of like open mic i performed Really? So that was like the first ever show that I've watched, like stand-up comedy show that I've watched and performed at. Damn. Right. So I remember that day like just really crystal clear. I can imagine. And I owe it all to Geisha because she's like, you should try this. And like, you know, 
uh, and I did, and it went really well. I didn't expect much out of it, but it really shifted my entire world. Because before I was just like you know a regular Vietnamese um, student, I guess, like in high school, nothing mm-hmm. good happening, had no friends, <laughs> nerd. Right. Okay. And can I can I go back to a theme that we talked about earlier? Did was it anxiety that made you not be able to wait? Would you say that they could they could link the fact that you just were there for your first ever time, just watching comedy, but you just performed as well? Right. Um, it does not really make sense to other people because like, oh, if you're anxious, you probably wouldn't want to perform. But I'm like, you know, knowing myself, I'm like, if they, if I put this off, I'm gonna put this off forever. So I'm just like. Oh. I dreaded it, but I went up. I did it for the first time, and I was met with like a really good response. So I mean, and yeah, so I went religiously every single week after that. I almost never didn't go. So I still do. Like you know, you always see me at um, open mic, and yeah. So just well later tonight, right? Like I'm gonna be hosting the very open mic that I started doing comedy at wow. for the third time. And it's insanely trippy to me because this is where I started and this is where I'm at right now, hosting the open mic that I used to yeah. start at. So it's wild. It shows the power of development. And before we go into, I guess, the journey from comic to host, shall we say, can I ask you about that first ever performance? What's going through your mind when you're up on stage versus after you finish? Um. It's interesting because every single time I do comedy, it's like my brain blanks out. Like it blocks everything out. Um, So I often ask people like how I did after I went on because I don't really notice the reaction that much. I'm getting better at it now, like, Mm. you know, engaging with the people more and like not creating such a barrier between me and the audience. But most of the time I'm just like, Oh, that was a fever dream. Like, I can't believe I just did that. Yeah, sure. Right. And I can't believe someone like me would go up and do something like that. Yeah. Is it a good thing to not be aware of the audience reaction to a point, but do you also have to have some rapport? Like, is it that tricky balancing it? Um, Definitely is tricky, but I would say, like, not to brag, I think I kind of have it, like, naturally in me like a little bit of it is like practice because i block everything out by nature when Mm. i perform yeah um but you know um i try to like chant just connect with the audience more later on that was through practice but naturally i block things out uh and i also would like to mention that this was probably a habit like of blocking things out because i did spoken theater and musical theater before right long before as when i was like a kid Mm. so that was what i did when i uh performed Mm. because like you know there's not much interaction done in those art forms you don't really interact with the audience that much it's just between the characters on stage yeah sure. so you just kind of mentally block out everything and just mind the business you have with the other characters right i get you this sounds a bit like flow state you know when you're completely immersed in something you enjoy that everything else is blocked out exactly yeah. and it's so much adrenaline Absolutely. i can only just imagine like i'm vividly imagining myself doing comedy just ever and just the adrenaline's going through the roof just as a, a visualization so right. i can only imagine the real event mm. uh, when i ask you about why you like comedy from doing other avenues and also now doing comedy 
what would you say is your favorite thing or your favorite aspects? Uh, my favorite aspect about doing comedy is like, I don't know, because back then when I did a musical theater, I was usually the comic relief character. But sometimes I would be like sad, right? Like sometimes like it's like proper drama. Uh, and then I realized I really like being the comedic like relief character. And like I was, I wanted to like tap more into it. So like, you know, getting to know stand-up comedy has been like super freaking cool because every single second of it is like, you know, doing comedy. And I like that, you know, the stuff that I normally say to my friends can now be used as like material for me to like mm. you know express myself and the the improvisation as well like i don't think i'm good at like straight up improv comedy yeah. but like i could do crowd work and it's been such a fun thing to be able to do that because a lot of my um pretty good jokes come from like improv yeah sure and crowd interaction this makes me interested, I guess, as you as a person. Are you more introverted or extroverted? Uh, I would definitely say introverted because... <laughs> this is fascinating because you do stand-up comedy, you work with the crowd, you like develop a rapport with the audience, but being an introvert is kind of like the opposite of that. Um, right, because I, um, you know, this, I just want to say like a joke that I had when I was like um, riffing, like you know like improving like i said i could just talk about like really nasty explicit stuff on stage but when you catch me off stage it's kind of like a pokemon battle mm -hmm. right so like someone comes up to me i hear the music like da, 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 da. an audience member appears from the wild audience members uses conversation it's super effective right and then, so uh so uh, that is a, I guess, a fan favorite because I guess a lot of people told me they relate to that feeling as yeah. well because I just feel like weirdly, um, it, it feels weirdly confrontational when someone tries to pick up a conversation with me and like I even told my best friend once that like, oh, you must be like a psychopath to start a conversation with someone you don't know. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but that that's how it seemed like to me. But yeah. like I realized maybe that's just how it is for most people. Like, you I know. See what you mean. Yeah. How do you deal with feedback either from the audience itself? So as like a large group or when somebody comes up to you and says you could have done this better or like I like this. How do you deal with it? Um, it really depends on the type of feedback because I'm very fortunate because most of the time I'm met with like very constructive feedback as in like, you know, I do not take it personally when people say like, hey, I think you could have done this better or like, you know, uh, I think you need to diversify your jokes that I'm absolutely okay with. But there is just like this one instance of like someone straight up telling me that's like, you know, this is like god awful like you know not even telling me telling the host of the show that was performing in Damn. that like oh i don't want to hear about this guy's like uh sex life or whatever and it's just like i think maybe he was like being spiteful because i called his date his daughter Ooh. but mind you he had like full white hair and this girl he was with was barely older than me so oh dude was hard pressed like he Still was <laughs> right so i mean yeah and he just would not um leave until i was actually given the light and like i had to go off stage and then he was satisfied and then he left so i would say like i don't take uh you know i don't, I don't take um 
criticism with malice as well as like you know constructive criticism. Yeah. Well, that's natural because uh, most people I think give constructive feedback. Like you have to be, you have to be in pain within yourself to give someone just criticism, just with negativity, just pure that because you have to be in a bad place because nobody when they are happy, for example, goes right. I'm going to go and tell the hosty shit, for example. You have right. to be in like a bad place, so that really help would help me if I was to get negative feedback. You know, like genuine. There's a difference between feedback and criticism, or yeah, yeah, negativity. That helps me distinguish the difference. Right, and uh, I I think um, I wouldn't say I'm super good at reading intentions, but like most of the time, I'm like very grateful for such feedback mm. because you know it it helps me grow more than versus like oh you're great you're amazing yeah, right because yeah. i would say the first year or year and a half of my uh, comedy is like no one was saying much to me but and then the people who were saying something to me were just like you're great but i wasn't really getting anywhere mm, yeah, yeah. and then you know after a while i was like hmm, maybe i should change things up yeah and you, do, you do need to have your ego suspended sometimes i feel just right. to you know <laughs> keep you keep you developing because otherwise if you have a lot of people who we call it arse lickers like you're amazing you're then after a while you believe you're in hype and that's dangerous you right can't, you can't evolve after that i would definitely say that i was lauded at some sort as some sort of like child prodigy as a kid uh. oh that fucked with my ego hard i was th i thought i was the shit for the longest time <laughs> and then it turns out that i wasn't and this has been a very long journey of me like just trying to like peel that away because mm. I still have remnants of like my ego problem when I was, you know, thinking that I was like super smart and everything. Yeah. Like, I was going to say, does this ego come from the academic side of things, the comedy side of things or everything? Um, I would say it mostly uh, comes from me being able to speak English. So like my grandma would parade me around the neighborhood mm. like look at this kid He could speak English and sometimes I felt like a zoo animal But at the same time I felt like so valued because everyone was like whoa mm. um, But yeah, but academically I was always bad. Oh, okay. I was always bad at school, right? Uh, I wanted to focus so bad, but I could not like I just physically could not so yeah. I dread it, but you know I'm, I have my coping mechanisms, but Which, not yeah. too good at it. Um, at the same time, like just getting there. But mm. yeah, yeah. You mentioned ADHD. Now I don't actually have that much knowledge about this, to be honest with you. Can you tell me like how it manifests for you? As in, like, what should I be aware of as like somebody who really doesn't have much knowledge? Well, um, I, I would like to start off by saying like uh, it's something that like a lot of people noticed in me and something that I kind of like self-diagnosed with. I normally cringe at people who self-diagnose themselves with some sort of like mental illness, but it's just manifests so clearly for me that everyone, including me, sees it. It's like, first of all, it's like the pacing around you notice like you know when i'm idle and not sitting down i'm just like pacing all over the place um people kind of get annoyed with that and then uh, also it's like the constantly forgetting where i put things mm -hmm. and um bad memory in general i can't remember what i had for breakfast and also constantly like you know diverting away from topics that i'm not done talking about and then like you know, maybe 300 years later, I'll come back to that very topic and pick up where I left off. Ah, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm constantly, like, half-assing everything. I mm -hmm. could never get one thing done at a time. What are some coping mechanisms that you have? So, um, I guess, 
for every like um symptom i have like one thing or two i guess so like for forgetting things i have like a, a checklist like a mental checklist but then again like sometimes i even forget that i have a checklist but it works like half of the time but yeah and then like the there's really no cure for like me walking around <laughs> and like you know i i like to do weird shit with my hands when i'm not like um standing up and walking yeah sure always have to do something with uh you know with my body yeah. and and yeah i i don't think that is something that can be helped and that i want to help sure right the way it is i suppose does it do you ever bring this into your material and if you don't what else do you bring into your material oh my material does not really mention much about my uh mental health uh but i kind of joke around you know about like you know uh family trauma and like you know uh daddy issues <laughs> shit like that uh but yeah i think I would like to explore like you know ADHD as like mm. material later on because I think if people have been watching me for long enough they would probably know that I have it. It just manifests so clearly in my performances. I'm just like yeah. doing weird shit when I'm um performing, I guess. Right, I see. And what else do you like joke about? Do you have like a set routine or do you always change up like the topic you'll talk about for example? Um when I first started, I Every time I went up I had new material but then I I learned like oh it's okay to like do your old material sometimes to polish it because you know if you're just coming up with new stuff all the time they're all new but they're not polished right, okay. so you can't really bring that to a show uh but my regular stuff is definitely it's very very sexual it's very absurdly explicit uh but I guess what I was aiming for it's just it's um It's not sex for the sake of sex. It's it's sex for the sake of absurdity. So it's so absurd that it's not even sexual anymore. It's just unhinged. Yeah, right. So that's what I was going for cuz uh I always have a joke with my um with my roommate and fam also another comedian um that like I joke about sex a lot for someone who hasn't had sex in four years. Um and and you know, she has way too much sex for someone who doesn't enjoy it. Right, okay. Yeah. Right. A little paradox. <laughs> right. Um I would say I joke so much about it. It's just I guess it's just a way for me to cope, I guess, because uh last time I did what well, I guess was when I uh, lost my virginity, too much information, I guess. It was a very bad experience, very 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 bad. Uh I just I just joke about it and like, you know, uh I I guess the best way to com- compare it to something is like I guess you know like how how um middle schooler boys talk about it. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So it's kind of like um it's really explicit, really gross, but kind of naive in a way. <laughs> uh but aside from that, I also joke about things like I don't know, like I would say um mental health, my parents, shit that I know about like, you know, school yeah. and you know random observational humor i try to like switch it up sometimes so like i i do you know i'm trying to explore musical comedy more cuz i come from a musical background yeah. i also sing on the side of doing comedy oh nice one yeah and um you know prop comedy improv and like you know i'm trying to do um 
let's just say a show that explores comedy through multiple mediums. Mm, that's interesting because I'm trying to think of musical comedy here. I don't know too many examples of musical comedy. Obviously you will because you've been immersed in it. But mm. I'm trying to think of when I've come across it. It does sound like a lovely combination. Well, I, I would say um, Neil ha- had a uh, comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do remember he did a, a networking event. He had like a Comtam song mm. and like a flip on Britney, I think. Yeah. Right, right. Um, he does musical comedy sometimes and like, um, do you know Wanye West? No. He's also another one of my favorites. Um, for musical comedy, he does exclusively musical comedy, and uh, you know another comic um, who was here, Tommy Perchinski. Okay, he used to do um, you know musical comedy too. He's back in the states now, but yeah, all really funny people, uh, and and yeah. But I would, I kind of want that show to come back. Like yeah, I, yeah. I guess it's because like you know we have like a massive like shortage of. Um, I guess expats or like English speaking people in comedy, let yeah, alone yeah. like musical comedy, right? Yeah, of course. That's like a real niche. Right. Right. Okay. You'd like to see that develop. Uh, would you ever develop it? Like, would you put on your own night? Would you go down that route? I, I would say because I've um, parodied a few songs, I've written a few original songs of myself. And um, yeah, I guess I have never like, um, I've hosted shows, yeah. But I, I've never, like, you know, got up and, like, talked to a venue before and, like, you know, produced my own show. But uh, I would say for the time being, I do have stuff to, like, put on, you know, like, a, it, it, let's just say if someone wants to put me on a show that has musical comedy, I'd be happy to do it. But, like, you know, um, hosting my own show, like, we'll have to see about that. You know, I, I guess mostly the thing that's stopping me is, like, my doubts about my own maturity and like you know my own skill level but you know you never know until you really try exactly yeah you might go for it and it might all manifest the way you expected or wanted it to right so i'm I'm just trying to um i guess talk to some people about it like let's see if i could get it to happen yeah right excellent how did you go from being a comedian so performing to hosting um well it it all starts with the original host's demise um so you know jk hobson you've interviewed yeah. him before i have twice yeah uh he hosts them in a open mic right and uh you know one time he had covid and then he just brought me up to like host i don't know why he chose me out of all people i like to think that it's like because i'm special in some sort of way but um yeah or i don't know like it could also be like my imposter syndrome like <laughs> like possibly oh yeah like there's not there's just not enough people so that's why you were chosen then again i don't know if i'm good enough to have imposter syndrome that's the weird one like i feel like we all do to a degree have imposter syndrome right to be honest with you everyone i've spoken to like always say that you know when they're about to do something different they think oh fuck like surely not me because like our mind does that when we do something that's not familiar, we right. always think, "Oh no, we can't get to this level. Just stay with the easy route." But like, mm-hmm. there was a reason you were chosen, and I don't know. Like, I've not spoken to him about it, but like, my personal belief is that you wouldn't have been chosen if you were a dosser. Like, you would have got picked due to ability. Right, and that's what I keep trying to tell myself. Because you know, for comedy, it's like really extreme. Sometimes when you uh, do bad you're like oh no why did i ever start doing comedy this is horrible i want to like go to a different country and change my name 
but when it goes good it's like really good you know like you're like why did i ever think about leaving you yeah. know so well first of all i'm glad that i didn't want to leave when i was doing really bad in comedy and uh, secondly i'm just like you know i i think you know i i, I owe some credit to myself for being just I wouldn't say talented, but tenacious. Yes, I love that. Talented, but tenacious. Sorry, not talented, but tenacious. Right. Where, where does this tenacity come from? Um, I guess it's because I just really like doing stand-up. So it's just like I've talked to a lot of people, like really experienced people. Um, and, you know, I watched some interviews with even more experienced like comedians. And they were like, oh, once I bombed and I quit for five years and then now I'm back and I made it. But I'm like, you know, I, I, I have this sort of reasoning that like, you know, um, if I like something so much, I'm going to come back to it regardless. So I'm not going to waste precious time, like years on like dwelling over that one night that I bombed. Um, and I just had to keep going. And like, you know, the first show that I did since, you know, that um, incident where that guy was, like, storming out of my show. Mm. Um, I was panicking because I, I, I expected that same reaction out of every single person who went to that show. And it was, like, the complete opposite. Like, everyone liked me. So I was like, oh, yeah, this, is it so bad? But uh, I guess it, it was an important lesson what happened to me that night because I'm like... Oh yeah, it feels really bad, but it's you know it's temporary. It's ephemeral, so yeah, yeah. you know um, I'll try not to like let it get to me so much, but it kind of does. <laughs> it depends. I mean, I feel like these situations are what we all do, especially when perhaps what we're kind of struggling with confidence or something. But at least you have the awareness to recognize that there's no point dwelling on this. Just on to the next one and whatnot. And right. here you are now. You're hosting. You're performing. What would you like to achieve in the near future? Like, where would you like to go personally or professionally? Um, in the near future, Let's I, say a year, one year. Okay, let's say in a year, I want to be able to, like, have my own show. Because, you know, like, youngest comedy show, showrunner in Saigon has a nice ring to it, right? Does it not? Mm. Right. And uh, also, I would... I wouldn't want to say, like, become, like, popular, popular. I don't think that's, like super like plausible but like mm. just you know establish like a nice and steady following yeah, yeah, right yeah. it's a tricky balancing act though where you don't want to get too big but you don't want to be too small it's a really I mean, weird area right i don't mind being too big i just don't think it's like <laughs> possible right like and it's not something that i would die trying to achieve right because yeah, yeah. i don't know it's nice but you know there's better things for me to like focus on i guess and yeah and I would also say, like, just um, to be taken seriously, I guess, because um, I think that's what I've been lacking the most mm. throughout me doing comedy. I mean, I started doing it as a hobby. It unexpectedly become became, like, you know, a hobby that pays. And then, like, you know, I, I hope maybe, I don't know if in a year or at some point, I could do it, you know, fully to make a living for myself. Maybe not a super good li living, but a, a base a living. living. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I could do other stuff that I like on top of that. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, I want to be like chemist by day, comedian by night. That would be really great for me. Yeah. 
Chemist by Day, Comedian by Night. They've got a lovely. That's got a lovely ring to it. Right. Uh, I think that, that could definitely be something. What motivates you? Is it wanting to achieve? As let's just say recognition. Is it wanting to achieve your full potential? What's your motivation, Jack? Um, I would say for me. Sometimes I surprise myself, so I would not say that there is a full potential. It just kind of expands as I keep doing stuff. So, uh, yeah, I like to think that it's kind of limitless. But, um, yes, I would like to be taken more seriously because I haven't been to, due to my age. You know, sometimes I would go up and, like, do a nasty-ass joke. And then people were like, oh, that's disgusting. You're like so vulgar. And then someone older comes up and does the same thing and it, and it gets laughs. Uh, but this yeah. is mainly, this is why I don't do stand-up comedy in Vietnamese. Because it happened to me like, you know, more than I wanted it to. Right, I see. And I notice I'm just more funny in English anyway. circles, yeah. Right. And also, uh, I, I think, yeah, like, let's just say I was told that I sound like customer service in Vietnamese when I have sex. So I'm like, hmm, wow. <laughs> customer service. <laughs> like, that's intriguing. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> analogy to use, <laughs> for sure. Would you ever be interested in, maybe not living, but spending some time abroad? Because I also remember you mentioning that you've never left Vietnam. I've never left Vietnam, that's right, true. Yeah. So would you like to, not necessarily to live, but to travel? Uh, I definitely want to because mm. like you know I, I want to like expand my horizons I yeah. guess like you know just try to see what it's like in another country like I want to um, pursue my master's degree in cosmetic science in Britain excellent so yeah I, I'll, I'll try to like you know look into that more but like right now I'm just like an undergraduate student I'm, like two years in so like you know maybe I have like three to four years left so it's not really on the top of my list but yeah, yeah. I'm excited to go to a country that's not my own yeah that would that'd be lovely yeah, yeah just like even exploring like a western place like Britain just for a month or so or yeah see how it goes and I hope you'd enjoy it yeah what we are getting to the point of the show where I say it's a new part that I do which kind of puts the guest in my shoes has there been a question that I have not asked you that you wanted me to or expected me to? Hmm. Um, I would say. Let me, let me. Let me. I wasn't like really expecting that you would ask me anything, but uh, uh, let's just say because I've done like a maybe a few podcasts before. Mm. And it's like, oh, it's actually, I, I don't, I mean, you could ask me about this or not. I don't really care about that. But, like, it's kind of refreshing to, to see that, like, you know, there there is a, a podcast that I was on that doesn't, uh, I guess, address my uh, sexuality. Mm. I guess because, you know, like, yeah, we talked about sex, like, maybe once or twice before here. But, like, uh, right, so I'm gay. Okay. And, uh, but, like... I, I guess like most other times I've done a podcast, like they were like really going in on it, mm. and I was like, no, that's that's cool, that's who I am, but like you know, it's not like completely me, like you, you know, like it's just right, yeah. it's like a little corner of mm. you know the the a, a pie that is who I am. Yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean, and to be honest with you, like 
we, we can discuss it if you wish to. But I guess one reason why I haven't asked is I think it subconsciously lingers in me the fact that you have to, well, you're supposed to in society come out as gay. That right. Really, that really intrigues me. Like, why do you have to, like, as if it's something different? Like, why is we do we assume that everybody's straight? Like, that, that just interests me. And I always think that if I was to ask you about it, I mean, I don't know what I would ask you, like, are you gay? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I, no, honestly, where do I go from there? Right, right. Yeah, maybe in Vietnam where, you mm. know, perhaps it's, maybe there's still some taboo in Vietnam. Is there? I mean, I'm sure you Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, really, where can we go from there? So, you know, let, let's try it. So you are gay. <laughs> um, what's it like? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how to go. Um, um, well, yeah, it, it's it's just been like a focal point of like, um, of, literally every conversation i've had and um i don't want to talk about it less i just th- yeah. find it quite intriguing that like oh you haven't gotten there yet like i was i was kind of like um oh yeah like is it that part of it <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, here we go here we go <laughs> i'm not like i'm not shy about it at all yeah, cool. but it's uh. like well, I, I'm glad that my parents don't speak English, though. Because, okay. like, yeah, they, they might stumble upon us and they're like, ah, no, like, yeah, he's, yeah. he's a sodomite. <laughs> and your comedy show, they'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> right, so I never invite any of my family. Ah, uh, okay. Maybe there's a cool aunt that I would bring there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, no. Uh, generally, family is barred from my comedy shows and my Facebook in general. Right, okay. No go. Keep, keeping boundaries, right. Yeah. Right. Yes, I. I'd actually rather talk about like how I don't like my family. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, that's weird because like in Vietnamese culture, family is often such a big thing, where it's like you bring shame upon the family, and it's the family that you have to represent. But I don't know that many Vietnamese who are directly opposed to their family. Would you say you're directly opposed, or just a few clashes? Um, I would say I'm not invested in their demise. But I just don't want to be near them, like right, immediate okay. or, or like distant relatives. Um, I'm just not that fond of them, like except for like, you know, that one cool aunt and like my cousins who like also cross promo. They do mm-hmm. like professional wrestling for VPW. Oh, cool. So that could have like that could be like an even cooler interview. You could yeah, do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Hey, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to one of their shows soon, so. Oh, you are? Yeah, I am, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So just look out for, for the name uh, Dokuga. Okay, nice. That's, yeah, yeah. That's it. They're, they're twins? Yes. So, um, yeah, just on the side a little bit, like, they've been performing under one name for so long, cool. and then, like, recently they came out as, like, oh, actually, two people, nice. and it was a total mindfuck for everyone. Damn. So, yes, uh, they'll be at the next show. So I, Excellent. I'll be there, too. So, I, yeah, I, I hope you enjoy it. I'd love to. Final question. Well, it's not really a question, actually. It's more of like an opportunity. If you have like an, a minute or so, Jack, to, I guess, wrap the interview up, say anything that you'd like to say, it's like, basically, you've got the mic and can just say whatever you like for the next minute or so. Hmm. Either plug the next show, oh, talk sorry. about your key message. I don't know. What would you like to say to wrap up? Do you have hmm. anything? Okay, well, um, before I plug anything, I just want to say that like, uh, comedy is in dire need of more diverse voices that's all i'm going to say like you know uh so if you want to start doing comedy and like you know uh you you think you have like a different voice to bring to the table i highly suggest trying it and like you know if you talk to me about it i would definitely like be very 
like welcoming to it like i'm trying to bring as many like you know like um female comedians on like you know anyone who wants to try and like um you know queer people people color i mean actually you know i have I make fun about them all the time, but like I don't have that much hate for straight white men. So like I mean, just I just like different perspectives. Yeah, That's all. Yeah, right. That cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. And uh, to plug this May, I have well, I'm gonna be pl- um, hosting open mic tonight. Uh, and then twenty uh, fifth, I ha- I'm hosting Neil's um, comedy showcase also at Eddie's. Uh, so yeah so he has like you know in a month three Wednesdays are like open mics yeah, and yeah. one one is like a showcase Excellent. so what's the difference between it? oh a showcase is like a let's just say like the comedians are all booked up right right, right. so not anyone could come up yeah yeah okay. right right okay so yeah so like he hand picks the uh, comedians and um, yeah on the 26th I just I have the we just cunt show which is like a, a comedy slash drag show mm. which yeah i would be having with like you know uh my comedy buddies and like you know uh people i know from drag also shout out to the person who connected these two worlds for me angie floyd my comedy godmother uh if you're listening to this know that i love you so much right. excellent that is a very good way to end it thank you very much jack and keep up all the good work that you're doing i hope to see more of your shows in the future and all the very best Thank you so much, Connor, and thank you for having me. Okay.